Welcome, everyone, to the eighth edition of Minority Report with Carell and Eric. Uh, we want to welcome all of our listeners. We've got a great guest tonight. Uh, each episode, we talk with real operators and leaders in the digital media space. Today, we are talking with Samande Agosa with Bonnier Corporation. Many of you listening may know Samande. He works uh, at Bonnier on programmatic and a number of other things. Let's jump in and get to know Samande. Samande, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How you doing? We're excited to, to talk with you today. Tell us a little bit about what you're up to uh, at work, and uh, tell us a little bit about your professional history. Yeah, sure. No problem. So uh, what are we up to at work? It is Q4. So <laughs> we know what we are all up to at work. Heads right down now. and sprinting towards the finish exactly. line. Exactly. <laughs> Trying to figure out a way to make it to 2019. Um, but yeah, definitely looking for last minute ad dollars wherever we can find them. Um, you know, trying to make sure we hit the year number at this point, right? So we've we've done all our progressions to try to hit the quarterly numbers. Um, some have hit, some have not. That's common. So at this yep. point now, we're just trying to shore up everything and kind of wrap it up and then <clears throat> find some peace of mind entering 2019. Yeah, um, you're probably pretty good at finding some of those uh, last minute dollars. In my head, I and, am. Uh, uncovering. <laughs> in actuality, um, it's a little bit more difficult, but definitely in my head, I'm like, oh, I should come from here, you know, maybe from there. <laughs> how did yeah. you, uh, how'd you get into digital? You know, digital, uh, you know, I'll tell you about my first job straight out of college, and this might actually be the platform to do something I did not do um, back then, which was um, my first job out of college was at Wachovia Bank. Mm-hmm. And it's just like all other college students looking for an opportunity. It's more like, hey, I just don't want to leave here and not and be broke, right? Not have any money in my pocket. It doesn't have to be a lot, just any. So um, a friend of mine, uh, Hassani, was great, uh, gracious enough to connect me to his mother, who at the time used to be, I think she was retired, but used to be a VP um, at Wachovia, and uh-huh. then she just networked me to someone that was actually working there at the time. And, you know, long story short, got super entry-level job in the yep. back offices, not even, not even at the bank, but back offices doing trade settlements. Mm. And shamefully, I did not call this woman back to thank her prior to her finding out I had gotten the job. It was in the back of my mind, but you know, you just kind of get caught mm-hmm. up in your schedule. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you're getting a call before you make a call. Mm. And she, <laughs> she definitely let me know, have a peace of mind. My, the call was not long, but it was definitely unforgettable from the fact that I felt that that shouldn't have happened that right. way. So I <laughs> doubt she's listening. But even if she's not, I want to make sure that I say that I remember it this many years later to say thank you for that opportunity. So um, long story short, Wachovia was there for a couple of years. I graduated with an economics degree. So I think just, you know, people just say economics, you know, maybe go to a bank or something like mm. that. But, you know, quickly found out that it just wasn't where my interests lied. And I'm going to, you know, chop up, you know, make this really short in certain areas. But um, one of the things I was doing at the time and just even historically was I just had this interest in tech Mm. and technology in general. So I just wanted to know what the latest and greatest was. Um, Some of the like high points of these years that we're talking about is um, HD DVD versus Blu-ray. 
Like these are the oh, type nice. of topics that we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about iPhone dropping, right? right? Blackberry was the king at the time. Things like that. <laughs> right? <laughs> shamefully you again, I bought experience. Shamefully know, again, and AOL and Pubmatic. How, how did you move into those companies? Yeah. So what happened was I I had a huge interest in tech and I would visit CNET.com just about every day. Gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, what do you do? You kind of scroll down to the bottom of the page and see careers and you click. And then you just try to figure out something that could possibly get you into the door. And there was an account coordinator position that was there that got me into the door. It was in digital and I had no background in digital. But what I tried to sell was my customer service, both for primarily for internal clients. So Mm. your teammates. Um, to kind of translate to a job as an account coordinator, which you're pretty much internally executing for the account managers and the account executives. So I was able to do that, and it worked, and that's where I learned what an impression was. <laughs> yeah. So nice. from and, you know, customer service. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you, you know some, sometimes we learn it. Sometimes uh, it's sort of in us already. Tell us about your personal background, maybe some of the stuff that might have shaped some of that. Uh, tell us about your culture and your identity and where you're from. You know, where were you born and raised? Sure. So born, I was born in Nigeria, um, Lagos, Nigeria specifically. Raised very much a New Yorker. Spent the, the majority of my life here. Just about all of it. So I grew up in Staten Island, New York. Hmm. And went to high school out there. Uh, then went to college upstate New York and Binghamton University. Um and then trans and then you know kind of worked my way back to the city so i am a new yorker by all you know um shapes and means so um to your question i don't know if i would say, you know i just think the type of parents i had the type of household we grew up in you know it's pretty much like you had to work as a team you know i have a brother right. and a younger sister i have a younger brother younger sister and even though i'm significantly older than them you know, the household was a team thing. So even while I was just, you know, the oldest, for the most part, I played my role along with my parents who were working super hard, you know, two jobs each, you know. So, you know, I was the one who was primarily, you know, with the kids, particularly at, at night during the shift change hours between mm-hmm. my parents, right? Yeah. So I think that kind of led me to the teammate aspect of things in the real world. And just trying to figure out how best to try to, you know, read people and work with people at the same time. So I think those were the type of traits that initially just kind of made it easy to transition to kind of a customer service-ish type role to kind of get the foot into digital. Right. And and kind of work that game to learn the other roles and the other games to play within the industry as well. So from CBS, you know, really quickly after that, you know, I, I kind of kind of coasted there while also doing grad school, right? So CBS office is actually right here on 28th. Yep, yep. So that's where I worked. And then I went to grad at Baruch, which is right mm. there. So mm. I was going to, going to work and going to school at night. And, you know, that was just the goal, get a grad school degree and then figure out the rest. And I transitioned to um, what was AOL at the time, currently Oath. Uh, prior to finishing up grad, I finished up grad over at AOL and over there, I was an account manager, you know, a little bit more responsibility, a little bit more look into, you know, what it means to build up a sales deck report, mm-hmm. conversation with clients, understand what an RFP is, 
you know, how to break it down in a way that, you know, is not just reading it at the surface level, but how it makes sense for you, how it makes sense for your partner and yeah. all that stuff. So um, I transitioned there and was there a couple of years as well. Uh, sales was, you know, lucrative in, you know, a small sense. I and mean, we're not filthy rich or anything like that uh, by any means, but at least it's like, hey, there's a healthy enough amount of money, but if you really want to chase it, you got to really like commit to sales. Yeah. And that's kind of where... I, my mind always tippy-toed on both sides of the fence. And programmatic, though it you know, isn't what it is now, both as a word, a term, um, the way it's executed. You know, AOL had ad.net, and, uh, not ad.net, ad.com, excuse me, had ad.com at the time, and it was very programmatic, mm. right? It was a way of you know, taking remnant inventory and monetizing, but they were super strategic. And just some eye-opening things there is like, okay, there's other ways to do sales, a little bit more automated, but there's a reason they're doing it. Obviously, you know, you don't want to not monetize when you can, Mm -hmm. but, you know, they showed, you know, with the engine that they were driving, they were doing it, you know, fairly sophisticated for the time. It doesn't compare to what we're seeing today. So that exposure is like, okay, you know, maybe I won't quit this whole sales thing there's ways where it works in the way in which I think and approach, mm-hmm. you know, trying to be a partner to someone, trying to help someone execute a campaign. And that transitions into me eventually working at Pubmatic and then things just kind of blow up from, from there, blow yep. up relatively. Like, let's keep it, <laughs> I don't want to make it sound crazy, but it blew up relatively with regards to my interest in the industry. Yeah, it, it, it helped it, you with your trajectory in your career. It helped right? me with yeah. the trajectory of the career that made sense right. and kept my mind kind of running back with that kid who loved technology. Mm. Right, it, it aligned those two things. Gotcha, yeah. You know, it, it, what's interesting is, uh, you know, I, I always tell people that most of us in this space, right, we didn't, we didn't go to school uh, for this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you just, you just touched on uh, a number of things that you learned that I think, like, outside of schooling and in your career that helped you to the next level. What is something, though, that, that you did learn either in undergrad or graduate school that kind of sticks with you today that, that has help, helped you in your career? Is there anything there? Um. And I asked that question because, like, you know, I have an undergrad. I went to graduate school as well. Uh, I've got two young daughters that, you know, uh, in 15, 16 years will be in college. And I just wonder what college will mean at that point in time versus what it meant when we were in school or versus what it means today. You know, so I'm just curious what what you've learned uh, that helps you in your career. You know what? Um, one, that's a great question. I think you you should always try to think about the things you're experiencing at the same time and try Mm -hmm. to make sure, not make sure that they connect, but try to find connections Mm -hmm. between Mm -hmm. them. What I do remember two parts of grad school. The first part is, you know, while I was at CBS studying marketing, um, undergrad was just undergrad. It was a blur, right? right? So I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to try to touch that. It was a blur. Grad school (laughs) meant a lot more to me for a couple of reasons. One, I was spending my money to get through it. Mm. Right. So mm. mentally, I was like, you're doing this for a reason. You're not mm. just like, oh, high school or college. Yeah. Are you doing yeah. this for a reason? You're spending your money, you know, like you're, you're going to school after work at night. And New York, when it winter time and fall time comes, you, the last thing you want to be is like <laughs> trying to get home. You yeah. want to be home. You want to be home. <laughs> you know? yeah. So um, one of the things that I do remember for for sure was. Uh, I had a professor, you know, I can't remember his name for the life of me right now, but he gave me a couple of tidbits, not 
personally, but to the class, it just kind of made sense, which mm-hmm. is trying to keep trying to understand the life you're experiencing versus the job that you're doing, right? And you know, one of the examples he really used was how he became an expat for he worked for Avon. Gotcha. Okay. Big wig. Um, you know, C-level job, but uh-huh. always opportunity for growth. And then I think they had asked him to build a business out in London. And this had nothing to personally do with me, but it felt like I wasn't getting advice from a teacher. It felt like a person was talking mm. to me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And what it was, was, you know, some of the key points was, hey, you get an opportunity, you find it hard to say no because you've been working with these guys and, you know, they've been standing by you. Um, it's bigger, it's a bigger opportunity than your previous position, but you, they and you don't calculate all the other things that come with it. And, one, and the biggest example that I'll just never forget is just when you tra- bring a family over. So you just mentioned your family. Yeah. So when you bring a family over with you, you're the one with the job, but they're also along for the ride. Right. Right. So you can send your kids off to school, but, you know, do they have any friends, right, and all that stuff. And they can restart that engine. But even yeah. the community, they have to relearn it. And right. people can really place themselves and keep themselves at home because mm-hmm. of that, the better example of that would be his wife, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. kids can have friends from school, right? Because right. you're all young and, yeah. you know, you, you, can, you can kind of be the new kid and go through those things again. Right. You know, an unhappy wife can be a different situation, mm-hmm. right? So when he leaves for work, she's at home trying to make the home, but even when she's done with that, what does she do with her time right. after that? And she doesn't know anybody and it's a different community and she doesn't have any family or friends or grounds. So, you know, long story short again, eventually his wife's like, I'm going back. She goes back to the States. Mm. I think they have a long distance relationship for a while. They do get divorced. Mm. While he's teaching us, he has his, he's on to his second wife and he, they have a fantastic relationship or whatever. But you know, it's a story like that that just really makes me think about thinking deeper about decisions, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, I didn't have a wife, didn't have kids at the time. I do now. Yep. Um, but um, it, just, it just opened my eyes about thinking about things through and through. Whether you decide to do them or not, whether they're right or wrong, just as long as you're, like, really cognitive about the ramifications on either side and you, you won't know it all but it, it forces you to ask questions challenge hr like that was one of his lessons challenge hr about like who's going to take care of this right who's going to do that right right like yeah. you know these things if these things come up who's going to be there to support me and my family or whatever right yeah. so so those are one of the major lessons that i just i just can't forget gotcha everything else i was actually experiencing in real time so because i did a, a mba in marketing a lot of the stuff they would teach us, um, I was actually experiencing at work. Mm, so okay. it just made sense. It's just like the textbook version of that, but I was Versus, living it yeah, already. Yeah, yeah, so it just kind of really made, made it make sense in real time. And I was already ahead of the game because I'm like, okay, I, I get what you're trying to say here because that's gotcha. what I'm doing before I, before I get here. Mm. But you're just making it more like formulaic. Right. Right? Yeah. So yeah, that was that. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, so obviously you've been in this space uh, for some time now. Um, what are some accomplishments, whether it's, you know, leadership, closing a big deal, uh, new technology process? What, what are some things that top of mind for you that you are personally most proud of that you've accomplished? Well, this year uh, in back in March, yeah. you know, I had been nominated by the by the company. So it was an internal okay. uh, sales award situation that we had gone through. 
at Bonnier. So it gave me the opportunity to go to Sweden. Never mm. been to Sweden before. Mm. It's cold as fuck. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. You say whatever you want here. Okay. So, <laughs> so um, it was really one of those things where um, if you've ever sat down with your partner or your wife and watched an award show and then so- see somebody get like the the red carpet interview and yeah. like, oh, so you're nominated for whatever, whatever. How does it feel? It's like, oh, it's just great to be nominated. No, it is just great to be nominated to get a chance to go to somewhere. To go, yeah, yeah. Right? To to go somewhere. Because um, it's not, we watch, when we watch an award ceremony, we probably watch that evening, right? With Oscars, Grammys, right, whatever. Right, right, They've probably been on a tour of like, appearances and places to be because of the Grammys, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, so when mm-hmm. I get to Sweden, I'm actually meeting a couple of our leaders, you know, 24 to 48 hours before, company mm-hmm. leaders, stuff like that. Um, just having these conversations similar to this, just yeah. no podcast, right, talking right. about, you know, me and the industry and the business and, and where things are going. You see your face plastered on stuff. And it's like, it's kind of weird <laughs> and it's very surreal, but it is very humbling too because it, that was the first time I'd ever had something of that magnitude, right? Where my I was personally associated with mm-hmm. it, right? So and and, and you were you were put in that spot because of your coworkers, right? Like they've re, they recognize abso- absolutely, you, right? right? So it was for sales rep of the year, yeah. Right? Okay. So I was put in that spot exactly like you said, Carl, because I was nominated by mm-hmm. you know my peers, mm-hmm. right? So when you put all that together in your mind, you're like you already feel good. Definitely want to win because when it came time to win, you're oh, like, yeah. Ooh. Well, that's the competitive you know, nature in you. You still want to win. <laughs> but, but prior to that, it, again, I can't say enough how much it means to be nominated for something like that. And it kind of goes to this too, right? And I want to take a second to thank you guys for this invitation, mm. right? Because this isn't necessarily an award ceremony, but nonetheless, you know, to be asked for time for a conversation like this because, you know, some in, people in the industry and some of my peers feel like, I'm worth a conversation. Mm. You know, it, it's it's humbling, right? It's nice. It's nice to know that people think that. It's nice to know that they value enough for your time to ask you for some of it, right? Right. So the opportunity to go to Sweden is is a is a probably a bigger example of something like that. And it, and it was quite a show. Like I, the venue, awesome. It was yeah. this gold tiled room that's super famous, and it was and and it was very humbling. So that was definitely one of the biggest. Uh, highlights of my career to date, for mm. sure. Um, outside of that, there's you know there's definitely been some campaigns and executions, um, custom executions on some stuff that I've ran with teams historically. Like I remember back at AOL, I think we had we had won the opportunity to be like the first digital sponsor for like the Victoria's Secret um, model angel show mm. that they do yearly. Right, so um, the account executive at the time, Ting, had, and she's phenomenal. She's a phenomenal seller. I think mm. she works at Facebook now. Um, had sold, uh, I think it was Digitas, who was their agency of record at the time. I don't mm. know if that's still the case. Um, the 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 sold them on us sponsoring it, and we did this super custom execution that kept us there super late, you know, for days and weeks and months. But that was something I was definitely proud of because, again, I, I believe, I don't want to speak out of turn, that we were the first to own like, that digital sponsorship for the yeah. execution of that night or whatever it, whatever it was. So there's a couple of things that ring in, in my mind. But, again, digital moves so fast. Oh, yeah. 
right? You're kind of in and out. So, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm, I'm not that important yet where I have too many highlights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. I hear you. I hear you. Um, so earlier you talked about um, your interest in technology, and that's what uh, first got you sort of into the space, right? And obviously you said we're, you know, we're in Q4. Things are changing quickly. Everyone's trying to get to the finish line this year. What excites you about the future of our, of our space? What are you looking forward to next year and, and beyond? The space in general. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm excited. I, I'm one of those, you know, with our space, I feel like I've seen a lot. And, you know, you know, you know too much, like this, how the sausage is made and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I, to answer your question, it's pretty straightforward to me. I'm super excited because, again, because I love tech and it's it's so malleable and keeps on changing you know at such a rapid pace you know i just kind of love the way it moves with regards to the stuff that we interact with our phones our tablets mm-hmm. our laptops um even something as simple as you know uh if you've ever ridden the subway in new york you know, the, it's always been posters. They're switching that out now right. for live, huge live TV screens. And I know why, right? Like, I don't just see it as a TV screen. I see it as a way for people to touch people frequently now. In, right. in, those posters used to be sponsorships. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, you know, I, I think it's because attention spans aren't as, you know, deep as they used to be because we're, we're looking at so many things. It's like, okay. Let me capture you for this week, for this day, right. whatever. And these screens allow them to do so. Yeah. So and it's even at bus stops mm-hmm. now too, right? So it also allows them to probably change the sponsorships out e- much exact, faster. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So it's giving yeah. it's yeah. giving um, brands and advertisers the opportunity to touch people uh, differently, more interactively, more engagingly, if, if they care to, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. you can just try to touch people. So things like that, I don't just see them as, oh, that changed, right? Like I see them at, from the perspective of somebody that works in the industry. Oh, yeah. I know why they did that. Right. I know why the you know iPhone XS Plus is the hugest screen we've ever made in the world, right? Because you want the biggest screen to put an advertisement right. in the world, right? So you know things like that always keep you know me interested. Always keep kind of keep me jaded a little bit <laughs> at the same time. But um, from a tech perspective, I'm still a tech guy at heart. I still like to stop by Best Buy and just look at what, you know, OLED screens and what. Actually, you go into the store? I did last week wow. for the first time wow. in, in months. Wow. I did last week <laughs> for the first time man. in months. I'm thinking about buying it. I just bought a home. Okay. So I'm thinking oh, about buying a, thank you. Yeah. I'm thinking about buying a, t- a new TV for the living room. So I'm I'm game planning for Super Bowl week. Oh, okay. Really is what right. I'm it's really what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm, that's that's the tech guy in me. I don't just buy things. I gotta like, you know, feel it out for like six months before I do something. <laughs> so um the industry as a whole, I just you know, I find it interesting. The conversation it, it changes and that's why I like being in it. It's, it's just not static. Right, right. You you kind of have to be up on the conversation. You kind of yeah. have to be up on the tech. And I, I wouldn't say I know everything and mm. all every, all the changes, but the fact that I have to know some things and, mm-hmm. and some of the changes is what kind of keeps me going mentally about it. So yeah. you know, that's the kind of stuff that I I really love and enjoy about you know the space that gotcha. we occupy. So yeah, so taking that question a little bit further, right, and talking about sort of either mentors or people in the space that inspire you right like who who are 
who are some of those folks or, you know, if you don't want to name names, like what are some characteristics of people you think make up a good, a good mentor in the space? I don't know the characteristics of a good mentor okay. in the space yet. I'm, okay. look, I'm looking for okay. one, right? I'm looking for one. Fair and honest <laughs> answer. Love uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, as far as inspiration goes, you know, someone like, you know, for instance, Kirk McDonald. Yep. Right? And no, what he well, recently yep. did mm -hmm. with Xander mm -hmm. and his transition to the AT&T family. Mm -hmm. You know, someone like that is definitely um, an inspiration on many levels. Obviously, yeah. you know, culturally, you know, being a man of color yep. in the space, um, being a leader yep. in the space. Right? You someone know, that I certainly follow, too, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, somebody like that where you can not only, you know, try to aspire, but you can also see yourself in. Yeah. You know, you know, is definitely, you know, something where it's like, okay, you know, you kind of try to watch and, and pay attention and see. And, and, you know, I've worked with him prior to at, a, at Pubmatic. Mm. And, you know, so, you know, so I've been close enough to him where it's like, okay, he's, he's a mm -hmm. real person. Too. Yeah. It's not like, he's not just an article right. where somebody did an interview. Right. Like right, he's a right. real person. Yep. So, you know, people like, individuals like that are definitely... Um, people that keep me inspired that, you know, I inspire to try to emulate and, you know, imitate for, for lack of a better word. But uh, I haven't had a mentor specifically mm. in the space. And I don't know if that's because of myself and just, you know, the person that I am. But um, I, I wouldn't be ashamed to say I'm looking for one, mm, okay. right? Because, you know, at this point in my career, to me, it's important for me to personally recognize I don't know it all. So it's time to start asking questions from people who've experienced it. Right. Right. Experienced it prior to so as to have um, a better purview and better decision making with regards to whatever is next around the corner, whether it's in this space or not. Right. Right. So, so in a mentor, I'm looking for someone who can, you know, help me miss a hurdle and say, you know, I've either done that or seen people that have done it. And, mm. you know, this is the best way to go go about things. So uh, if you're out there, you know, just <laughs> I'm sure you can shoot Krell in uh, like a DM or something. <laughs> and then he can pass it on to me. Samanda, uh, do, um, do, yeah. um, do you find that you're mentoring others at times? Um. I wouldn't even give myself that much that much weight, but you know, I I'd like to think that when I engage in conversations with individuals, I'm looking at it from their best interest with regards to what I know, mm. right? Mm. I'm not necessarily looking at it from it from trying to take, you know, if they have something to offer that I think might be worth, you know, noteworthy from an education standpoint or from a deal standpoint, whether yeah. it's professionally, or whatever, you know, I'm not, you know, one of the things you learn if you want to be you know, in sales, or I think if you really want to aspire in life in general is, is not to be afraid to ask. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. right? Not to be afraid to ask. And, you know, whether the answer is no, that's fine, but that's the worst you can hear. Right. 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 Is right. no, the, the rest can be a conversation that lasts a while. It can be something that turns into quick or something that, you know, turns into something right. six to 12 months from now, you know, and it manifests. Right. But I mean, if you never ask, right. It never happened. That's that's the worst outcome. Not absolutely, asking. Yeah. absolutely. So um, as far as myself, you know, I try to make myself available to people depending on how much they want to ask. Mm. 
right? Mm. You know, I'm not mm. the guy that's going to offer it all to you. Yeah. But if you show a level of interest, yeah. And if you ask one or two questions, then you know, then I'm free to go back and forth with you. Yeah. Right. And free to go back and forth with you, and you want to, you know, keep in contact. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I have a couple of people that that do that, but just not in the space. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Just in general, where we go back and forth because you know we want to make sure that we're keeping up with each other mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. No, uh, Samanda, what are you what are you doing to sort of stay informed? What are you watching or reading? Um, how how do you sort of stay on top of everything that's happening since everything's so fast paced? You know, in our industry, and what are, what are you utilizing daily or weekly to sort of stay informed? Sure. So you know, with I think the best thing for that is. Uh, conversations with other people and other uh, peers uh, in the space for sure. Uh, asking again, going back to asking them questions about what they're experiencing with what they're doing. Uh, I was just at Digiday in Scottsdale. Okay. Two weeks. Two weeks ago, Digiday uh, Programmatic. Yep. In Scottsdale. So there again, you know, similar to your question, I was there to learn, see if there's anything new to, to be received. Um, I usually go in to try to hear strategy mm. more than anything, right? Mm. You know, news is news, but it's like, what do you do with the news? Like, right. what is the strategy? So I heard a couple of things that I, that I did think were interesting from the publishers specifically, not, not necessarily, but that's the point of the conference to get you guys together. Right. But a couple of publishers that were there, similar to the way I was there in, you know, some open network and open forums where we could just have conversation. I heard a couple of things that I found interesting. So I think the best way to stay informed as far as things in the space is to occasionally be around others and mm. ask questions mm. and, and, and be there to listen. Yeah. Uh, Ad exchanger for sure, you know, just kind of read, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know, is that, would that be like a Reddit or, you know, something like bloggish, yeah, you know, yeah. to kind of stay up on. Uh, I definitely stopped by the Digiday site. I had a week before I think it became paywall. I used to, <laughs> I used to, used to frequent um, a lot. But um, outside of that, the other thing that I like to do is when I'm on sites, again, because I know how the sausage is made. I pay attention to the site, mm. right? Not just mm. to the content, right, right, right. But but the way to, the site is presented to me, the speed at which it works, the executions that I see, things that you know maybe jog my mind to ask questions, and then I can take it back to the team or take it back to leadership and just kind of say, well, what do you think about this? Or mm. you know, have you seen this? You know, when, when did this happen? Yeah, right. So. I learn by being an active participant in the internet, right? I think you, it's. I think the majority of us are probably passive, and it's presented to be easily consumed and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But again, being behind the wall of parts of it, you know, I I kind of learn by you know actively asking questions. Like I can't count the amount of times where a headline got me, mm. and and I I say that in my mind, like, oh, you got me. <laughs> you got me to click. You got me to click because when I'm reading what I'm reading, it, it didn't really align with the headline. But I see what you did, right? So you know, I can't let something like that go. Yeah, like I, I think about, it, I'm like, okay, and then it makes me think that's why it works. Yeah, and that's why the edit team who wants to stay, you know, super editorial should probably use it to get us a couple more page views. Yeah, yeah, right. right because right. something like that gets you know a couple more people to visit. Yeah, and maybe they might like the article or whatever it is you present to them. Right. 
But um, you can definitely see the strategy in the internet if you pay some attention to right. it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and that you, um, Samanda, you, met, you mentioned some, some great industry events, some great trade pubs. Um, and we talked about the industry as a whole at times. Do you have any thoughts on, on how um, the industry can sort of improve um, it, its, its way of being more inclusive? How is that changing? Are you seeing it change? Do you have any thoughts on, on, on those sorts of things? Sure. When, when you say inclusive, you, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I think often, um, you know, we are at a lot of different events and we look around left, right, up, down, and it doesn't look like us. And I think there's a lot of acknowledgement, um, even from the industry itself, that it, it needs to be more inclusive. And uh, I think sometimes even the industry, while it feels that way, says, hey, why can't this move a little bit faster or, or why, why isn't it changing? So I, I think Corel and I are always curious about um, about those sorts of thoughts. No, um, I think I get it now. Sure. So it's, you know, it's weird because I feel like the the barrier wall in our industry is one of the smaller ones yeah. now yeah. of almost any industry. Yeah. I, w- I would agree with that. Right? Yeah. Like the barrier of entry is, is low, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the barrier to get levels of interest is still relatively high, mm-hmm. right? Because eyeballs, to, take, to, take a decent, to get a decent amount of eyeballs still takes work, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? But to start a website, .com, .net, Right mm-hmm. to to get you know to get a lanyard to go to a conference right right still relatively low if you got a couple of dollars to spend as a sponsor right so what I would say to that and what I think is what I think I'm observing is that the industry as far as things is as inclusion is concerned is expanding my personal opinion though would probably be something along the lines of it's like the cafeteria in like high school, right? Where there were the big dogs. Let's call the big dogs the the jocks. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, the po- the popular kids. The popular kids. Yeah, yeah. Right. Those guys are still the big wigs, right? Mm-hmm. They're still they still have the biggest table with the most people sitting at the table and around mm-hmm. listening to the conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what is happening now is that you know the women are now congregating for a conversation, right? And other women are coming mm-hmm. and they're also saying, move over because we're moving our table to prime position, mm-hmm. right? Like, let's say the jocks have the center of the room. They're like, they're also saying, move over. Like, we're, we're not going to sit by the wall yeah. where, and where everybody's. We're going to make space because our, our, we want people, we want it to grow. We want some of your people to come over here and hear what we have to say, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The the nerds, for lack of a better word, like nerds are in, <laughs> right? But the thing is, the way nerds are in now are those kids who are of our generation that now have a platform, the internet and the space where other nerds are like, where it's easily accessible. And other nerds are like, yeah, I used to watch manga, right? And, you know, something like Supreme sponsoring, you know, something like Dragon Ball or something mm-hmm. like that is super cool because there's there's actually a huge population of kids that were watching that. They just didn't think they could make money off of talking about it mm-hmm. or designing it in, in a particular way, whether it's figurines, shoes, sp- uh, apparel, stuff like that, right? right? So, you know, I think everybody is in now because everybody is given a voice. 
and everybody can go to their corners of the room where they want to be. So as far as inclusion is concerned, I just think, you know, what has to happen is, one, people need to be a little less territorial so we can have more conversations or we can have inclusive conversations. Right. You know, and bridge the gaps of where, you know, the women aren't just having their posts on women's sites, but it's also on all the sites, right? right? Or, you know, some of the sites. And the nerds isn't just the nerd section, but it's also like it's spreading amongst sites that have nothing to do necessarily with the content, but they know some of their readers have that type of interest, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So I think the space has to really, you know, stop being super territorial. Your, your voice is important, but try to share a conversation. And when we start doing that, you'll see a plethora of different individuals at different conferences. It won't just be Afrotech. Right. Right. It'll right. just be a conference. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, that 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 definitely makes sense. And you know, I, I think to your point, I, I agree that, that the barrier of entry into the space is is uh you know open for, for anyone to yeah. come in. I, I think um what uh, I'd like to see more of as we move into next year and the, and the years beyond is that as you get higher up in the organizations, mm-hmm. it seems like, you know, the higher up you get in organizations, the less diverse it is. Absolutely. And so that, that to me is where um, I'd like to see us as an industry continue to, to grow and the change. I agree 100% with you. I think that's not, uni- that's not, um, only to us. No, no, you're right. right. You're right. But That's I feel not, like yeah. of any industry where it should probably look super diverse right. early. Yeah. It should this, look like America. This one. It should look like America. Right. Because like, if you check where the engineers country. are from, if you yeah. check where the you know everybody that does finance, if you check check where everybody that does the content, it's super diverse mm-hmm. as an org. Mm-hmm. Right. So when it comes to getting to the higher ups, as you're saying, yeah. absolutely, it should be better at reflecting how diverse an industry and a space it is because it, yeah. it's born of diversity. Yeah. The internet is everything. Right, right. right? So yeah. I completely agree with the point yeah. that you're making. Absolutely. So with that said, uh, enter, what, what advice would you give to anyone entering the space? If someone's coming in, you know, out of college looking for a job in the space, someone looking to make a career change, what, what, uh, what advice would you give? You know what? Um, if you're coming out of college, I think, you know, I think it's a, it's a, prime opportunity to try to understand, particularly if you're coming out of college now, it's a prime opportunity to understand your culture, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? I think technology, like I liked technology back then, but it was super early. Like it wasn't the culture, right? Right. It was still old school, you know, Peter Jennings, 630 TV programming to get the news. Mm-hmm. You know, today it's like Twitter, IG, <laughs> you know, other stuff that I don't even know, right? Right, that I'm not even on. Yeah. I don't want to be on, yeah. but it's of their culture, right? Right. So I think I would give advice. The advice I would give to someone coming out of culture is slow down and think about your culture. Mm-hmm. You know, the era that you're born into and what you know. Don't just like experience it just because you've been experiencing since you were in elementary school, right? But break it down and understand what ma- what it is made up of so you can find an area of interest that you really care about and you want to see and grow and build and whatever, right? Otherwise, it's just super fast. It just changes every day, changes yeah. every week. So don't don't just change with it. Like, slow down and, you know, put your stake in the ground on something because you really find that part of it interesting. Right. Uh, the other part of your question was... Uh, it was just... Uh 
advice for anyone entering the space. Yeah, and, so and, and yeah. then advice for anyone that's entering the space. Again, it's it's a low barrier of entry. I think the same advice goes to other advice. It's not something to just try to... I would rephrase it this way. Respect the space, because that's the only way... Mm. That's the only way, like, I think, you know, even outside of the space, culturally, like, we all get better. Right. right? Like, respect the space, because it makes the world so small that you can be very disruptive just because. And and that's just my personal feelings, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Don't just break it just because you can. Right. 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 Don't just put out fake news (laughs) just because you can. And it's not, obviously, me saying that's not going to stop that, because, you know, there's there's money behind this. Yeah. And I understand that, too. That's me knowing too much. Like, I understand why people do it. Mm. It's not just because, you know, they're saying, this is how I feel, because, you know, they're... They've got agendas and initiatives and teams and stuff like that behind them. So, hey, if you want to enter the space because, you know, there's the opportunity to do so, hey, by all means, go ahead. But, you know, at some point in time, you're going to get weeded out. Right. You know, with with the education of of, of people and the education of, of, of things, I think that, you know, if you really want to make a, a, a name in the space and, you know, be longer lasting mm. you know you're not going to be forever you know unless you're special right if you want to be longer lasting then you know respect something about it mm. right and 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 don't just come in like it's the wild wild west because eventually that gets boring too gotcha right yep. so so that would be the the advice i'd give to individuals a little bit i guess maybe older and more mature about it gotcha okay uh last question a little bit of a of a fun one uh, for folks to get to know you a little bit better, uh, your phone, which I'm sure just like everyone else you use every single day, uh, and it's your lifeline. Uh, what are what are the top three apps on your phone that you use outside of email and calendar? I wish I used my calendar more than I do. <laughs> I'm sure I w- my wife my wife wishes I wish I used our calendar more than I did. But um, so that's easy. Outside of those things. Definitely ESPN, ah. just to kind of stay abreast of what's going on in sports. And be, not because I care about sports so much, but because the people I care about and conversations about yeah. care about it enough where I don't want to be like, oh, so what happened? I want to be part of the conversation, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. for sure, uh, ESPN, USA Today, because I feel like that's very neutral when it comes to getting news, uh-huh. can I just give it to you and then you <laughs> and then it's up to you to interpret it and, and then and then research some more if you want to. But USA Today is definitely where I go for news. Right. And unless somebody either tells me or it happens in um what's it called? Um group me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in a group me right now for fantasy football. Okay. Right? So unless somebody just drops a note about some news story, USA Today is usually where I go for my news. Group me is where I'm in relatively as far as fantasy football season um and ig so if we're not talking about group me ig uh for sure uh i think i think it's fun i'm not a massive follower uh-huh. but the things that i follow you know I, I feel like i can get a couple of good posts out of it that either make me laugh make me think yeah you know make me repost to other people right make me share yeah right it may not make me like because i usually <laughs> i usually don't but it definitely, you know, I definitely, you know, follow the things that I care about. I follow like, like health stuff. I follow sports stuff. I follow 
watches because I like watches, right? Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. like things like that, it's like, oh, that's cool. And then maybe I'll I'll go further and research and go to the website and read an article mm. or something like that, right? So so those are definitely the top three. Um, ESPN, USA Today, and IG, for nice. sure. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Samanda. Really appreciate you joining Corel and myself. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, there's a number of different ways you can listen and subscribe. You can find us on iTunes at Minority Report Podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud at Minority Report Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Minority RPRT Pod and also on Facebook. Thanks again.